The Girl Who Speaks with Frogs. It was coming home that night from the poetry jam that I felt that my cup was running it over, like it says in the good book. It was running it over so much, it was running it over and spilling onto the table and from there running it onto the floor and sweeping out the door onto the front porch or running it out onto the whole world. I was riding down the road toward home and the air had a stillness to it like the whole world was holding its breath. The light from the moon had a bluish tinge, and I remember us stopping by these train tracks, watching that train go by, not a soul in sight. The woods on my right and left, and the train just rumbling out of the dark shadows of the forest on one side, and then being swallowed up on the other. Just this switch of light covering them cars as they rushed across the road, like a huge rough snake sliding through a waterfall of light. And then the train was gone, and I was all alone. I asked my daddy to turn off the engine of the car so as I could just step out on the road for a minute. I heard a jay complaining somewhere in the woods. They're the crankiest birds. Somewhere, an owl called and then pushing my hearing deeper and deeper into the silence and dark, I heard a chirp. Just a tiny, single chirp. Like somewhere there was a little baby bird trying its voice as it thrust itself out into the world. And then, in the blanket of quiet, as I held my breath and listened to the world breathe, I knew right there, right then, that the world was perfect. But I knew it wouldn't stay just right because everything is always changing and all good things have to be busted. You can't keep on blowing up a balloon forever and ever like we tried to do when we was kids. Just keep blowing it up till it was as big as the whole world. No, one time or another, that old balloon's going to bust. And my time was coming fast. But at that moment, as I sat there watching the Midnight Express running out of the night and snake back into the darkness, the whole world was just so. I don't have a word for to describe it, except just so. I had a dream that night. I dreamt I was at a party, but I didn't really know anyone except maybe a couple people there. And then somebody brings a phone to me. I take the phone, and it's a friend I hadn't talked to in a while, Richard III. I'm talking And he says he's calling from Iceland. And then all of a sudden it occurs to me, didn't you tell me you was in Spain? What's going on? Where are you really calling from? Not that I expected no great revelation or nothing. I was just curious, just puzzled. But then he said after a long silence, I can't answer that. And more silence as he hanged there like he was waiting for me to say something. And then I heard a click on the other end like he hung up or something. And I woke up. And while I was laying there in the heat, the lights off and the moon catching the magnolia tree outside the window at just the angle that its leaves shine like silver dollars and the sweat dripping off the walls, I come up with this poem. A boy who won't ride a trolley and a girl who sits in the rain and speaks with frogs. It came out sort of like a dream, but that's what my life was becoming, like a dream I couldn't wake up from. It was all about how I forgot to breathe and I was feeling myself being erased. I promise myself I'll try even harder to breathe, but every minute I'm holding my breath and waiting for my next mistake. Then, all of a sudden, I'm standing in front of a church. Everybody's dressed up in their Sunday best, and I look down, and there I am in a white wedding gown and dirty blue jeans. I know I shouldn't marry him, but I feel it's important to be worthy of him so he can mold me into something better than what I am. So I put my hair in a tiny bun, drink tea, and exchange ripped jeans for a pale ivory wedding dress, remembering not to giggle. Remembering not to giggle was important because Richard found the noise extremely annoying. Last week after I spilled orange juice on his whiter-than-white car seat, he shook his head in sad wonderment as to how such a spill could have happened. Will you always be so messy, he asks as I scrub until the stain disappears, all the while muttering my apologies. But I knew that to him my stain would always be there to be picked at. 
I went outside where Ophelia was pouring down her buckets of rain. The sky was black for hours, and the rain seemed as if they would never end. Dawn shone on tattered butterflies barely fluttering and several dazed amphibians who painfully limped about. It was then that Richard III came to take me to his basement, duct-taped against the ravages of Ophelia, the basement filled with an extra heavy-duty generator, fat red emergency candles, and shelves stocked with dust-covered apocalypse beans. Arriving unannounced, he found me kneeling beside the pool with dirty bare feet and messy, tussled hair. I was surrounded by my makeshift hospital of milk-cartooned, homeless monarch butterflies and bruised tree frogs. He said what he wanted was to take me to safety, but I knew what he really wanted was the answer to his question of the night before. Taking a deep breath, I readied myself to give a rational explanation, but the look in his eyes stopped me cold. First a step forward, and then back weaving towards the boy and away again, suspended between what was right and what was good. So instead of saying anything, I dived into the storm-swelled up pool. I was determined to stay under as long as possible until I either made up my mind or he went away. I made myself like a rock and sank down to the bottom. And the life I would have with the boy begins flashing in front of my eyes. And all of a sudden in those muddy waters I saw a picture of how he saw me. And how he always would. Like a gypsy who he wants to be a lady. I was something to run away from, not to. Something that had changed into something so far from what I really was that I wouldn't recognize her if I saw her in a mirror. I sat there pondering at the bottom of my undersea lair until the need for oxygen shot me up. Lungs burning, eyes stinging. In less than a dainty cough, I was reborn as Aphrodite coming forth from the sea foam on a giant scallop and walked to the shores of Cyprus. So I arose from the chlorine aquinas, aware that the boy was gone as mysteriously as he'd come, running as fast as he could from the reality of me. I dripped my way back to my rabble of wounded butterflies and chorus of minuscule toads, knowing that in saving them, I had also saved myself. He was the best I could have hoped for. Everybody told me so. And now he was gone. I waited for the tears to come, but instead I realized that all at once I could breathe again. Just breathe and breathe. Then I giggled. <laughs>